Hello and welcome to Timeless Files, a fan podcast for the TV show Timeless. I'm your host, Chris Butler. This week I'm talking about episode 6 of season 1, The Watergate Tape. I'd like to start with news on series 2 though, if there is any. And this certainly is this week, because the series premiere date for series 2 of Timeless has been announced. And it is Sunday 11th of March at 10pm on NBC. That is sooner than I expected. There will obviously be a lot of excitement amongst Timeless fans. I'm still not sure that 10pm is the right time slot for it. But we'll just have to hope that NBC's expectations on the ratings are in line with when it's on. Because we all want a season 3. This news is hot off the presses. I'm sure I'll have more to say about it on the next podcast. But for now, I'll just say I'm really excited that we'll soon be seeing new episodes of Timeless. In other news, um, Abigail Spencer appears to have received an injury while filming. She bashed her hip against a parked picture car while filming a getaway scene on set. Uh, Hopefully she recovered quickly. We know Lucy Preston is clumsy, but I guess Abigail can be too. There's a very funny video clip, which I retweeted if you're trying to find it, where poor Abigail is talking about her injury and she suddenly realises Malcolm Barrett is videoing her, uh, which he seems to think is hilarious. Then it turns out Annie Wershing is recording too. It's just added to it. Uh, Anyway, I'm sure everyone wishes Abigail a speedy recovery. I'd never heard this phrase picture car before, despite being somewhat obsessed with all things film and TV. Apparently it's a picture car is simply a car that is in a film or TV show and bought for that purpose. The only other thing I noticed recently is that the IMDB site, imdb.com, has some cast information for series 2 that I haven't seen anywhere else. I don't know how long it's been there or how accurate it is, but they seem to know quite a few of the actors appearing in Season 2 episodes. So check that out if you're trying to find every little piece of information that there is on Series 2. Okay, so this week we're off to 1972 for Episode 6. One thing you can definitely say about the writing of Timeless is that they're very keen on the structure of a story both within episodes and across the series as a whole. It's one of the reasons why I think Timeless works so well compared with a lot of other shows. You know, without that structure, I think a show can just meander in a very unplanned sort of way. Not so with Timeless, though. Some of the tension up until now has been the secrets that people have been keeping. But they all get laid out in the open in this episode. So, let's get into the details. Series 1, Episode 6, The Watergate Tape. Timeless episodes often start in the past, but this one starts in the present day. Rufus is at home, or at a home at least. It's not completely clear if this is where... Rufus lives, but certainly where his mother and brother live. Um, He's feeling guilty for missing his brother's basketball game. 
but his mother reminds him that Rufus paid for the house and a very nice house it is too so he's clearly being paid well by Mason Industries uh, Rufus gets a message from Connor Mason telling him that Connor is outside the house so Rufus goes out, gets into a car with him and finds that he is sitting next to Connor but also opposite him is the Rittenhouse man who stopped Rufus's car and threatened him back in episode 4. Connor tells Rufus that Garcia Flynn has taken the Mothership time machine to June 20th, 1972. Connor and the other man explain that President Nixon was in the habit of recording all telephone conversations at the White House, which obviously all came out during the uh, Watergate scandal. However, famously, there are 18 and a half minutes of missing audio on one of those tapes, supposedly deleted by Nixon's secretary. Uh, the Rittenhouse man tells Rufus he thinks that Flynn intends to steal that tape before its contents are erased. Rufus asks what's on the tape, and he's told that he doesn't need to know. What's important is that no one hears what's on the tape. Not Lucy, Wyatt, Rufus, and certainly not Flynn. Rufus is given a telephone number and told that he's to call the number and provide regular reports once he gets to 1972. So Rufus has obviously been very unhappy about the audio recordings that Connor has asked him to make on previous journeys. But the pressure on him is definitely ramping up this time. Next we cut to Lucy Preston, who is sitting in her car outside another nice house. She has the piece of paper given to her by her mother at the end of the previous episode, with the name Benjamin Cahill written on it. So this is the name of her biological father. This is the first time that the name has been revealed. She's obviously thinking about trying to speak to him or see him. But then she gets a call from Agent Christopher telling her that Flynn has taken the mothership to 1972. So any idea that Lucy has of speaking to her father will have to wait. The next scene is in the wardrobe warehouse at Mason Industries. She's obviously told Wyatt what she was doing in parking a car outside her biological father's house. Apparently she'd been sitting in the car for hours. He tells her she will have to speak to him at some point. Uh, Agent Christopher comes in, gives them passes that will get them into the White House. The idea that Flynn is after the missing Watergate recording is clearly their working theory uh, because of the date that Flynn has chosen. It's the obvious thing that he would be there to try to get hold of. Lucy says that she would give anything to hear that tape. But be careful what you wish for, Lucy. Wyatt's complaining about having to wear 70s clothing. But again, credit to the production team on Timeless. The moment they are in 1972, you know exactly where you are. Um, Rufus looks around and says, these colours just don't exist anymore. They're walking towards the White House. David Bowie's song Changes is playing on the soundtrack, which is a great choice. Um, but a fight breaks out between some 
peace protesters and some soldiers Wyatt gets mixed up in it um, he hears Lucy calling for help but as he tries to reach her he comes face to face with Flynn Wyatt is tasered and drugged and left unconscious and captured by Flynn when Wyatt wakes up he sees that Lucy and Rufus were also captured they're each tied up in separate chairs Garcia Flynn walks in and tells them they're in the same room they rented for the Abraham Lincoln episode but a hundred years later I can't help but wonder if that's a sneaky way of admitting they're reusing the same set from that episode also unless I'm misremembering I don't think Flynn knew where they were staying in that episode maybe he did anyway Flynn announces that he's already acquired the missing Watergate tape but in doing so he killed two guards and now he can't move freely around the city he plays the tape and on it Nixon mentions Rittenhouse and says that he needs to recover a dock or he's finished. Rittenhouse will see to it. Flynn taunts Lucy because this is proof that Rittenhouse is real and not just some delusion of his. Lucy says she doesn't know anything about the document Nixon refers to. Flynn says he believes Lucy because there's no mention of it in her diary which he's waving around. This is the diary that Flynn claims Lucy will write in the future and will somehow come into Flynn's possession. The existence of this diary is news to Wyatt and Rufus because Lucy hasn't told them about it. Then Flynn reveals also that he talked to Lucy during the Lincoln and Von Braun episodes and of course in the Hindenburg episode too. Wyatt is shocked and asks Lucy if this is true. Her reply is that it's complicated. Wyatt is definitely not happy with that answer. Garcia Flynn says if Rittenhouse want this document, whatever it is, then he wants to get to it first but as he's explained he can't really move around the city easily so he releases Lucy and Rufus and tells them they have five hours to find this document if they don't get to it in time then he's going to kill Wyatt Wyatt tells them not to do it but Lucy tells Flynn she will so Lucy and Rufus have got five hours to find this doc knowing virtually nothing about it other than that Nixon refers to it on this audio recording. Credits are coming up on screen at this point. The episode is written by Kent Rotherham. He also writes episode 14 later in the series and he's also written for the TV series Mad Dogs and SWAT. At one time he was Sean Ryan's assistant according to IMDb. The episode is directed by Greg Beeman. He will also direct episode 13 of Timeless and he's directed episodes of Lucifer, Heroes, Falling Skies and many other TV shows. So Rufus angrily asks Lucy how she could have kept this journal a secret. She says although it looks like her handwriting it can't be real. She asks Rufus if he's ever had a secret that scared the living hell out of him. Of 
course we know, but Lucy doesn't, that he absolutely does have a secret like that. Lucy says they need to focus on saving Wyatt. Her idea is to contact Mark Felt, the associate director of the FBI, who was the anonymous informant nicknamed Deep Throat, who leaked information to Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein at the Washington Post when the whole Watergate scandal came to light. Felt's identity was a secret in 1972, of course, but it's no secret for Lucy. So she and Rufus set about calling every Mark Felt in the phone book, trying to find him. Rufus is under instruction to report into Rittenhouse, so he delays his search for Mark Felt and calls the Rittenhouse number he's been given. He starts trying to explain who he is, but the voice at the other end just demands his report. Rufus tells him that they're searching for this document. The voice at the other end tells him that when he has the dock, he must destroy it. Meanwhile, Lucy has found Mark Felt and set up a meeting with him. And they do meet in a underground parking area. Now, key to the Watergate scandal was a break-in and bugging at the Democratic National Committee headquarters. Rufus tells felt the burglars were after a specific document, but felt denies any knowledge of that. He says the only clue at the scene was a drawing on a crumpled piece of paper of a fist with horns on it. Rufus thinks he might know what that is and draws his version of it. Felt agrees that was the symbol that was found. So Lucy and Rufus realise this is the only lead they're going to get from Felt and they leave to pursue it. We cut back to Flynn and Wyatt. Flynn taunts Wyatt with the fact that he can't trust his own team. To which Wyatt's answer is, Wow, you're really Jedi mind tricking the crap out of me, pal. Which is an in-joke if ever there was one. Matt Lanter, of course, was the voice of Anakin Skywalker in the Star Wars Clone Wars cartoons. And if you haven't seen those, you really should. Certainly if you enjoy Star Wars at all. They're really great. Back at Timeless, though, Flynn claims that he and Wyatt are just two grunts in the same war. Wyatt says, go on then, convince me. And this leads to some fresh insights into Flynn's background. We know that he was described as an NSA asset, National Security Agency asset, until he supposedly killed his family and disappeared. Killed his own family and disappeared. Now, he tells Wyatt that his NSA unit was asked to investigate huge money transfers going to Connor Mason. Flynn says the money was used to fund his development of time travel. I presume Flynn didn't know that at the time, but he knows it now. And investigating those money transfers, the name Rittenhouse came up. So Flynn flagged these transfers to his NSA contact and four nights later Flynn's wife and daughter were then killed in his home and Flynn barely escaped alive and he went into hiding and Rittenhouse framed him for the murders. And since he doesn't know exactly who put out the hit on him and his family he intends to wipe Rittenhouse in its entirety from history and by doing so, he hopes to undo the death of his family. 
Okay, so we know that Rittenhouse has influence over Connor Mason. So Flynn's account here does ring true. Wyatt doesn't know what we know about Mason, so he is inclined to be more sceptical. But maybe even he is starting to wonder if Flynn might be telling the truth. Which is not to say that Wyatt has any sympathy for Flynn at all. But certainly he's starting to get the idea that there's more going on here than he realised. So Rufus has recognised the symbol Felt described as relating to the BLA, the Black Liberation Army. This episode doesn't really go into who the BLA were, but they were a real-life underground criminal organisation. Rufus jokes that he read up on them to impress a girl he fancied back in college. Rufus supposes that if they had anything to do with the document they're trying to find, then the leader of the DC branch of the BLA will know about it. He goes to their headquarters to see this leader, Gregory Hayes. He tells Lucy to wait outside and not make eye contact with anyone, which is a jokey inversion of the times when Lucy has said the same thing to Rufus. This time they're in a neighbourhood where a white woman is out of place. Rufus somehow manages to blag his way in to talk to Hayes, mostly by using the words Watergate and Doc. Uh, there's a running gag in Timeless with Wyatt, Lucy and Rufus often giving their names as someone famous in the present but unknown in the past. This time Rufus gives his name as Kanye. He manages to convince Hayes that he was sent by the founder of the BLA because again with the benefit of present day knowledge he's able to tell Hayes things that in theory he couldn't possibly know unless he was connected. So Hayes agrees to take him to the dock. We cut back to Flynn and Wyatt. The episode generally is cutting between these two threads. Rufus and Lucy on the one hand and Wyatt and Flynn on the other. Flynn tells Wyatt that there isn't much time left for Lucy and Rufus to get back to save him. Flynn is holding Lucy's journal. He admits that the journal is incomplete and doesn't tell him much about what happens here in 1972. He says Lucy often sounds crazy in the journal and like a different Lucy, which is very intriguing. Might we speculate that that sheds some doubt on its authenticity? Or does it mean that Lucy is going to be very changed by the things that are going to happen to her in the future? Wyatt manages to irritate Flynn by implying he's the one that's crazy, not Lucy. Flynn responds by telling him what Lucy has supposedly written about Wyatt in the journal, and specifically about the death of his wife. Now, I described a lot of what was known about her death in my podcast on episode 3, because I took a close look at the news reports of her death that were shown on screen in a couple of shots in that episode. But for most viewers who aren't fanatical podcasters, this will be the first time they've heard a lot of these details. One detail that is new is that Wyatt and Jessica had run into an old boyfriend of hers, 
and that was the source of the argument they were having. So as I previously described, the argument escalated. On the way home, she got out of the car and he drove off without her. He came back 20 minutes later, but couldn't find her. After two weeks, her body was found near the place where she went missing. And another piece of new information is that she was strangled. In the journal, Lucy says that Wyatt is obsessed with his wife's death. She says he needs to let go and move on. Wyatt tells Flynn to shut up. He's really not prepared to listen to Flynn, of all people, talking about the death of his wife. But Flynn says he understands better than most because they have the power to save the ones that they love. There's no doubt we learn a lot about both Flynn and Wyatt in this episode. What's unclear is whether we're learning anything truthful about Lucy. Would she ever write that Wyatt should let go of his wife and move on? Well, maybe. That's not necessarily meant unkindly. Flynn appears to be convinced this is Lucy's journal, but we don't know whether he knows that for certain, or he just believes it to be hers. Well, we're not going to get the answer to that one just yet. So Hayes has taken Rufus and Lucy to a house and shows them the dock. To their surprise, the dock isn't a document. The dock is a woman. Called the dock because she has a PhD in history from the University of Chicago. And turns out Lucy worked in that same department. And Lucy's able to drop in a few details about that history department that convince the woman that uh, Lucy is who she says she is. Rufus and Lucy realise they can't hand over this woman to Flynn, but if they don't then Wyatt is as good as dead. Uh, Lucy decides to talk to the woman on her own. She explains that she's been hiding out for a couple of days because people were after her, or are after her. Lucy asks if she means Rittenhouse. The woman explains that Rittenhouse wants her because she was a member but left them. So this is the first time that Lucy has spoken to anyone who admits to being a part of Rittenhouse. The woman explains that people are generally born into Rittenhouse, going back generations. And this woman claims she's the only person, apart from the leadership, who knows every member going back to the founding of Rittenhouse in 1778. But nothing is written down, she has it all memorised. Lucy tells her that she thinks she might be involved with Rittenhouse too, and she's scared of them. The doc says she should be scared, that they control everything. Rufus has been left alone in the kitchen and uses the house telephone to call the number he's been given to make his status report. He tells them that the dock is a person, not a document. They tell him again to destroy the dock. He's stunned. He says they don't understand. It's a person. When they tell him the same thing again, he says he can't kill someone. They ask for the address where they are, saying that they will do it for him. But he hangs up. Lucy comes back to him and sees he was on the phone. He's completely losing it. He shows her the recording device that he's been using on their missions. He plunges it into water in the sink to destroy it. 
He admits what he's been doing and tells her they've threatened his family. She's shocked. She says she doesn't understand. She says she's lost her own sister, meaning that the threat to Rufus that he's facing has already been made real for her. She's angry that Rufus was so critical of her withholding information about Flynn and the journal when she now knows that he was withholding this. He says they have to trust each other, but she says she doesn't know if they can ever trust each other again. So as viewers of the show, I mean, we're just getting so much here. Lucy's secrets coming out, Rufus's secrets coming out, things that we didn't know about Wyatt's background with his wife, things that we didn't know about Flynn. This is huge stuff in terms of timeless story. Wyatt has been working on getting himself free from his handcuffs using a nail that he's been working loose from the chair that he's sitting in. He finally has a chance to attack Flynn but after a brief fight he finds himself outnumbered three to one and with a gun pointing at him. So they tie him up again. Suddenly Flynn's men tell him that Lucy has called and given them the address for the dock, which is a surprising turn of events. We also see Rufus call the Rittenhouse phone number again and tell them where to find the dock too. So Rittenhouse and Flynn and his men are all converging on the house, but Rufus and Lucy and the dock aren't there anymore. They've made their escape. So they're hoping that the two groups will attack each other, and meanwhile Wyatt will have been left unguarded. Or less guarded, at least. Uh, Flynn and the Rittenhouse men arrive at the house and go at each other, all guns blazing. It's one of the most violent scenes that Timeless has had, which is not to say that it's too violent. I've heard it said that Timeless is a family show. I'm a bit hesitant to go along with that myself. Yes, it is a show that the whole family can watch, at least parents and older kids. But I want Timeless to be a show that adults can watch and feel challenged by in terms of its complexity and the themes it explores. Anyway, the Rittenhouse men die bloody deaths and Flynn emerges as the victor in that fight. And he realises that he's been played that Lucy and Rufus have set him against the Rittenhouse people. But he survived it, and he and his men head back to where they've left Wyatt. Lucy and Rufus are just ahead of him. Uh, Flynn has left one guard on Wyatt. He hears a crash outside and goes to investigate, which is obviously uh, Rufus sort of creating a distraction. Lucy climbs through the window to the room where Wyatt is being held. Actually, she tumbles through the window in a moment of typical Lucy clumsiness, uh, which is always a joy to see. She frees Wyatt just in time before the guard comes back. They struggle, uh, Wyatt and the guard struggle, and the guard is shot dead. Lucy is comically left standing with a lamp in her hand, which she was obviously planning on hitting the guard over the head with, but... That turned out to be unnecessary, which is probably for the best. 
So Wyatt is free and with Lucy and Rufus they go back to the dock. They've arranged to give the dock back to Hayes who will drive her to safety. She plans to vanish rejoining her husband and son who have already gone into hiding. Lucy tells her not to stop for anyone because she doesn't know who can be trusted. After saying that, Lucy looks at Rufus and she's clearly wondering who she can trust. Rufus makes one more status report saying that Garcia Flynn found them. They escaped but they lost the dock and then he hangs up. Wyatt has obviously been brought up to speed on what Rufus has been doing. Wyatt says they all need to carry on as if nothing has changed. The idea being that Rufus can spy on Rittenhouse as a kind of double agent. Rufus says he can barely single agent. Timeless is a funny show, in addition to all its other qualities. But Wyatt is obviously really shocked. and He says that Lucy is no better than Rufus. They've both been lying to him. He doesn't trust either of them. They arrive back in the present. Lucy tells Rufus she couldn't find any further information about the dock now that she's back in present day. She hopes that she's still out there somewhere, safe. It occurs to me that maybe Lucy was a little bit hasty, well they all were, in sending the dock away without getting any of the Rittenhouse names from her. The dock allegedly knew them all. Given the fact that Rittenhouse members come from particular family lines, any names might have proven invaluable. But maybe the dock would have refused to disclose the names anyway. But we didn't see that, so we don't really know. Rufus, looking fairly miserable, asks Lucy if they're going to be okay. She doesn't answer. They separate, each looking forlorn. The car approaches Rufus and he finds himself back with Connor Mason and the Rittenhouse man again. He asks Rufus what really happened on that day in 1972 and how did Flynn find the house and end up in violent conflict with the Rittenhouse people. Rufus says he doesn't know how Flynn does anything that he does. The Rittenhouse man tells Rufus that he was the one receiving his phone calls back in 1972. The implications of this could be immense. It means Rittenhouse have known about Lucy, Wyatt and Rufus for a long time. Or at the very least they were on the receiving end of Rufus's status reports in 1972. I guess we don't know for sure that they knew then exactly who Rufus was. Another curious thing is that if Rittenhouse were funding Connor Mason's development of time travel, as Flynn claims, then they obviously want time travel to exist, even though they've opened themselves up to the risk that Flynn might succeed in destroying them. The complexity of it is mind-boggling, but in a good way. Uh, we get a brief glimpse of Flynn standing at the graveside of his family, so we know that part is true, that his family were killed. 
Then we get a glimpse of Wyatt, once again looking at all the reports relating to his wife's death. And then there is one more scene left in this episode. Although there have been so many secrets revealed in this episode, most of the information was already known to the viewers of the show. But now we get one last thing revealed that no one knew. Lucy is back outside the home of her biological father, and this time she summons the courage to knock on the door. A teenage boy answers the door. She asks if there's a Benjamin Cahill in the house. He calls out to his dad. And then the man who comes to the door is the Rittenhouse man who has been threatening Rufus. The man who has some kind of hold over Connor Mason too. Lucy doesn't know or recognise him, of course, but she falters and changes her mind about confronting him as her biological father. She makes an excuse about having come to the wrong house and walks away. So this has nothing to do with him being a Rittenhouse man because Lucy doesn't know that. She's just unsure that she wants to deal with this personal situation with him at that time. Cahill closes the door. He picks up the phone and calls someone and says, Guess who just showed up at my house? And that's the end of the episode. So, for all the secrets that have been laid open, there are obviously a great many more still hidden. It's obviously a game-changer episode for Timeless and a real sign of confidence that it's prepared to make such sweeping changes to the character dynamics in the show. Confident that it can make changes and still be as strong or stronger as a result. I think it's very clever that in an episode that is all about secrets being revealed, where do they go in time? Watergate, one of the most famous examples of secrets being revealed. It's very on the nose, I suppose. Not exactly subtle. But I like that the writers of the show are obviously looking for ways to do this, to mirror the themes of the story by carefully choosing the historical events that they decide to go to. They're not just doing a Watergate show for the fun of it, they're doing it because it's the right moment to do it in terms of the bigger story that they're telling. That's all for this episode. Next time I'll be looking at episode 7, Stranded, which looks at the fallout from the Watergate episode and it focuses particularly on Rufus and Gia. Yay! Until then, all the podcasts so far are available on the site at timelessfiles.podbean.com or in all the usual podcasting places, including iTunes, Stitcher and TuneIn. And you can find me on Twitter at, at timelessfiles. As always, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.